0: This is the So You're in Sales Podcast. This episode of the So You're in Sales Podcast is brought to you by Badger Maps. Do you work in field sales? Then you've experienced what I've experienced, leaving the house, driving around, visiting customers, and popping into potential new accounts without having a real plan of action. It's easy to waste time driving around until I tried Badger. Badger. Badger is a route planner for field sales teams and it can help you sell up to 25% more by optimizing your driving routes and meeting schedule. Cool, right? Badger can knock 20% off the amount of time you spend driving around each day and that's more time to get deals closed. Badger will also automatically update your customer information in your CRM so it'll get your sales manager off your back too. Never be late to a sales meeting again and start your free trial of Badger Maps today by heading to badgermaps.com slash insalespodcast. That's badgermaps.com insalespodcast and start your free trial today. You're going to see and hear more and more guests from me in the upcoming set of episodes around this concept of greatness. I think the idea of being great at something has a lot of room for interpretation, and there are many different versions of what each of us might consider to be greatness. So I want to explore this topic in some detail and look at it from different perspectives and get varying viewpoints and uh, points of interest on this topic. And today's guest is the first in that series. His name is Darren Reinke. Darren wrote the book, "The Savage Leader," and in that book, we talks a lot about this whole greatness equation, where he talks about it being an intersection. And I'll leave it to you to listen to the interview to learn more about what that means and why purpose is important to Darren when you're trying to develop people at the pace of change in a way that can scale your business. It's never really been more challenging than it is today. I thought it was a really interesting conversation. Give it a listen. So thanks for coming on the program. I really appreciate it. Yeah, real happy to be here. Yeah, man. So uh, as, as we will tease to the audience, Darren has written a book here called The Savage Leader. And depending upon what your circumstances are in life today... I know for many of us, we are being faced with the challenge of a lifetime. We're being asked to do and grow and uh, transform in ways that is really uncomfortable for a lot of us. And so I thought it was really timely to bring Darren on because Darren's book is all about this principled approach to trying to uh, tackle challenges like the one Many of us are faced with right now, and that is just a kick-ass picture in the background there. So you want to talk a little bit about the Savage Leader, Darren, and what compelled you to want to put pen to paper about this topic?
1: Writing a book, there was always a thought in my head, just, you know, I'm going to write a book. You know, maybe it was during my Inksville 20s and 30s where, you know, a burned relationship, a situation, a job. And I thought I would write it out of probably anger and frustration, which is, by the way, is not enough fuel to actually write a book, at least for me. But so I always thought there was a book in me if I had something interesting enough to tell outside of these angst-filled moments you know, as as a, a memoir of sorts, of a story beyond telling my kids and grandkids. And also just doing a lot of consulting, executive coaching, training, Speaking to groups, and I thought it'd be a great way to actually package a lot of the things that I'm thinking about and working on in, in, a, in a book format. And also, and probably most importantly, a friend of mine, we used to go on these nature walks outside, talk about life and business. And she turned to me at the end of one of these walks and said, Darren, it sounds like you're going to write a book. And I'm not really sure if that was a question. I think it was a little bit of an embedded challenge. And for me, I had this nagging, self-limiting belief in my head about my inability to to write effectively because of not getting the marks I needed in college, in these college-level English classes to go to medical school because that was my path at the time. And I internalize it as, I'm not a good writer, which there's, there shouldn't be any connection there. But I think hopefully people can relate to a data point they've gotten in a performance review or the fact that they got let go or they lost a client or a customer that they internalize it as, hey, I'm not good enough, I'm not ready, whatever that thought is. And so for me, the book allowed me to do all of those things and challenge this conception or thought in my own head about my ability to write. So that was really the genesis of the book. And it ended up being a leadership book because that was, that's the space I've been in for the last however many years. And it just made sense to write a book.
0: It's amazing from one author to another. And it's not like this is some exclusive club that nobody else who hasn't published a book before can't listen to what I'm about to say, because that's not the truth at all. I think, much like you, there's a book in every one of us, and it's how do we organize all of what's bumping around in the disco in our brain into something that we could translate in a meaningful way to then communicate all of that disco's worth of activity to someone in a way that they could actually interpret it and walk away with something of value from it, which is, in many ways, the exact same thing that we do in our careers in sales. Right. So it's not as if there's uh, this secret society or, you know, a a playbook that, you know, only certain people get their hands on, on how to actually organize your thoughts and get that information out. And I think, you know, kind of what you were saying is in most of our day-to-day activities, much of what we're communicating is the same thing we would put in a book. And it's just not apparent to most people that if you were to take your day to day communications and put it into an outline format that you'd realize like, wow, hey, man, there really is sort of rhyme and reason to most of what I'm communicating with other people about on a day in a day out basis. So let's see if we can get that into place, because here's the other piece of it Darren. And I think tell me what you think about this. We released the book in September of 2020, and I made, a, uh, I made a bold proclamation to my co-author that I was going to give a presentation that went along with the book that we had written 20 times in 2020, in the time that remained between September and December, which is really difficult to do. And somehow I managed to do it 32 times. And what happened in that pitch that happened 32 times is, man, did my pitch get tight. I'm really, really strong at the pitch now because I gave it so many times because I created a non-selling requirement for the pitch that really just found me wanting to get as good at it as I possibly could to the point now where, yeah, it's about being in sales. But how did how did writing the book and the subsequent what happened to you in the process, how transformative was was that for you?
1: Very transformative. And... I think one thing, by the way, you see there's a book in all of us. I think it's really important to to write a book for the right reason. So don't do it out of angst or anger or frustration <laughs> because because it, it is a long process that there's a lot of switchbacks and ups and downs. Don't do it for your name and lights, to be on a New York Times bestselling list, to be you know for fame or for fortune because selling a lot of books profitably is a, is a pretty challenging thing. So I think doing it for the right reason for me one big reason also I didn't mention, which is to help people. And I said, if I, I probably softballed this, but if I said, if I helped one person with this book, it was worth it. <laughs> I'm not sure. You know, it better be a pretty big help in terms of someone in, the, in their life or their career. Yep. It's a lot of time and effort, but I would say it's, transformative, obviously, it it, it provides a platform. It provides an easy way for people to think about what you're doing and the work you do in an organized way. Because rather than a variety of topics that I would talk about or coach or speak on, it was formed into these 13 principles. But I would say it was even personally transformative more than anything else. Because one, it allowed me to tackle some of those self-limiting beliefs. Did I write the best book in the world? No. Did I write an okay book? I think so. Hopefully, I think it's it's been helpful for people. But I would say the biggest thing I learned in that process was in my comfort in being more authentic. For so many times, I thought about being the smart Darren, the Accenture Darren, the Berkeley MBA Darren that always had to say something and be smart and have you know be an intelligent person in the room and. That really held me back for so long because I would post a blog, and I'm like, desisting this ding my brand And versus writing a book, which was eventually after all those edits and iterations, which is the painful part, the positive part is that you really land on that voice. You talk about having a tight pitch. For me, it was really finding my voice in the way that I wanted to communicate to the world. So I would say personally transformative that way, also pushing myself out of my comfort zone. And it's one thing to say you're going to write a book, but you start telling clients, and I do a lot of volunteer work with the Navy SEAL community, and telling those guys that I'm writing a book, there's absolutely no way I'm going to walk that one back. And then, but also, I decided to self-publish for a variety of reasons. Hitting publish on the Amazon Marketplace, man, that's a totally different jump out, you know, a leap of faith, taking, you know, you're going to take some fire from people in that first one-star Amazon review, which I've taken, but... (laughs) you put yourself, you expose yourself, man, that, that was a huge leap. But I would say the biggest thing was it was so personally transformative.
0: If what you've written comes from a place of authenticity, then you're speaking your truth. And I, you, anyone that has tapped into that when faced with a situation that maybe is new, unique, maybe presents a little bit of a challenge. Maybe it's beyond what you think you're even capable of doing to your point but when you're doing it from the place of like no i know this is what i'm supposed to be doing that's oftentimes the difference between being able to power through the tough stuff the one-star reviews the people telling you no, like all of the things that are going to come along with a career in sales we've all been pitched by somebody who isn't doing it for the right reasons and when that happens, it's uncomfortable. It, it feels gross and weird to everyone involved in the process. And it's clear that it's a rep- representation of the fact that the person who's putting us through this uncomfortable exercise really isn't doing it from a place that's from the heart. And I think I'm guessing, Darren, you feel the same way at this stage in the socioeconomic development of what's going on in the world it doesn't fly very much anymore. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yeah. I mean, you said something that's really important is, is just the idea of, of putting yourself out there and being uncomfortable. You know, I, I know just even in being willing to get shot down, you know, if you're in sales or whatnot, I mean, I reached out to you, say, can I come on your podcast? You could have easily said, yeah, heck no, or just not responded. And um, you were kind enough to let me come on. And I I hoped that I would have something interesting enough to say. So um, I think that's, Something I'm, I'm taking from what you're saying, but I think you do have to to put yourself out there. I do think you need to align around your values and what matters most, which can be tricky. If you just lost your job, your company just went bankrupt, it's hard to say, oh, having purpose, having time to think about my values, that's just a luxury. I, I, I think that's partially true in, in that case, but I think you can do it in parallel. But I think you're going to find much more long-term success and, frankly, happiness, if you can align around your purpose, I mean, something, the word that I'm really just thinking about these days is greatness, which I think I just was having coffee with a friend and a new friend of mine yesterday. And I think greatness is the intersection of, of success and purpose. That's the way I'm always sketching it out right now in my head. But I think that success is one thing. It's all externally Evaluated, you know, are you a successful business person, successful in your career, successful athlete, whatever it is? Whereas greatness is something loftier and that comes from inside of you of what matters most. It's not making the most amount of money, it's not starting the most successful company or a company, but it really comes from who you are as a person. And I've spent a lot of time thinking about that over the last several years.
0: I believe that what you just described is going on at scale in the workforce today. The question really becomes, and as I've said about what's happened in the marketplace where I transact most of my business, people are being driven by one very specific comment. And it's, if I'm going to be broke for a while, I might as well be broke doing something I really like. And I believe that's why you're seeing what you're seeing in the marketplace today where traditional employers are really, really struggling to fill historic roles as a result of the decisions that are being made by the people who used to sit in those seats and the choices that they're making to be more in alignment with something that they can feel more comfortable with for themselves. And I just don't think that the pandemic, if without the pandemic, I'm not sure that we would have arrived at this moment. I feel like there was a lot of pent up desire for that but so many people were making so much money that it was really hard to uncouple the engine that was the economy pre-pandemic to what's happened now
1: yeah i think it's really just accelerated and maybe exacerbated all of those different things and just having more time to think about what really matters to you you know and having time at home whether you're you're lucky enough to be able to work remotely which not everyone is obviously And just having time to think about that, spending time with your family, with your friends, and thinking about, you know, a lot of people have died or have had health impacts and think about what do they ultimately want out of life, out of their career? Because no matter what, you're spending a lot of time in that work chair or walking around in a factory or whatever. And I think if you can create more purpose, more meaning, and purpose is a pretty lofty word, and a word I've struggled with for a long time, but at least more meaning and more alignment between what your personal values are, as well as the values of the organization, you're going to just have a lot more joy and happiness and actually success as well.
0: Yeah, I like it. All right. So we're clearly birds of a feather here and you've spent, you know, a lot of time and effort and research and energy and all of the things that I know that going into building a book to help give people a framework to try to approach this. So if someone listening to what we're talking about or watching us on screen says, yes, that's me. Yes, 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 yes. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Darren, from your perspective, you kind of boil it down to three really basic things. So why don't we talk about those? I'll give you a chance to kind of pontificate on if that person is at that moment, what would you want them thinking about?
1: Sure. So the way I define the savage leader is by the way, it's, as a recovering marketer, I always think about a provocative title, and you know, so "savage leader" was something that I thought would get people's attention. But it also could be misinterpreted in terms of being wild and unpolished and aggressive. And it's actually the opposite of that: is being savage is someone that's that's bold enough to look inside of themselves to to assess and probably even reassess their values, especially when you think about the turbulent times we've had lately. And is that what I really stand for, what I want to stand for? So that's really the, the basis for the, the title of the book, The Savage Leader. But I think about three attributes that are needed to become a great leader. And the first is that burning desire to be great. And I, I separate the word great from success because, as I mentioned before, success is externally evaluated great is is i think loftier it's more internally driven so and everyone has a different definition of great you may want to be a great ceo you may want to be a great salesperson and that great may be most successful most sales number one in my territory in my company but it may just be i want to create meaningful connections with my customers so i'm not just talking product and services but i'm actually deeply impacting them and their businesses so, i mean greatness could look different I think about a lot of teachers and what greatness would look like for them. Surely that's different. They want to create successful kids out in the world. Parents, similarly, right? We want to to protect our kids. We want to keep them safe. We want to give them a platform where they can go and do and be just about anything that they want, want to be. It just looks different at different people. So that's the first thing. The second, and probably the hardest, is a willingness to look inside of yourself and to assess what matters most to you. And I'm, I keep saying reassess because I think that's really important. And one of the people I interviewed for the book, she's a therapist and she talks about how, how values are formed, where they come from, and how and also how they change over time. And it's important to reevaluate those things because I know my goal when I was 23, 24 working at Accenture was I wanted to become a Fortune 500 CEO. Uh, probably pretty misguided, but um, that was my worldview at the time. And, and I'm a that's the farthest thing from what I want. I like working with those folks, but for me, those things change every time. But having that introspection and willingness to look inside yourself and assess what matters, that's really important. And then the third piece, which is how do you activate that desire for greatness, that willingness to look inside? It's about putting in the work and it is hard work to actually, to go and activate those two, those two things. So those are the three pillars of what it takes to become a great leader in my mind.
0: The economy has a way of forcing people into these moments of introspection. And if you've not ever practiced that skill, then to think that you're just going to wake up one day and be like, oh, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm ready to transform. Like, I'm just going to do it. I'm not saying it's impossible. But if you go to a gym for and use a trainer, if you go to anything that is a pursuit that you're not typically accustomed to, a coach just allows the opportunity to shrink the time frame for you to be able to get to whatever objective it is. And so for me, your book really represents like, okay, if those are the things, the three things, and all of them are somewhat slippery terms, but each of us, if we're in that moment of self-reflection and analysis and really do want something more than maybe what we've had up until this time maybe you've not really put these words together on a sheet of paper that makes sense to you, but in your heart or in your mind, there's usually these like elements of what you described as those three core things. And it's just getting your arms around it and being willing to really just speak your truth. Because Darren, what you talk about when it comes to self-limiting beliefs really to me is the, like the, the key aspect of this process is The minute you start thinking aspirationally, like what we're suggesting, a lot of people will tamp themselves down immediately for reasons like, oh, I don't know, in my book, seven-year-old Roger is laying on the floor with his mom, hiding from a salesperson at the door, so 17-year-old Roger doesn't feel so good about himself when everybody starts telling him he's going to be a really good salesperson. I had to fix that for myself. That wasn't anything anybody else did. But because I had this desire to be the things that you're talking about, to make a difference, to leave a legacy, to to compete and win, I was able to resolve those conflicts for myself because I was willing to do the work. And it wasn't easy. But ultimately, the reward I was able to reap as a result of putting in the effort and doing that process, man, if I would have had a book, dude, you know how much faster I would have been able to get through all of that and probably minimize a fair amount of the uh, internal conflict that I felt for myself. So it's good to know that it's out there. How would the savage leader help that person, any of those people that we just described? What would it do for them if someone were willing to uh, commit to the exercise?
1: I think, for just first and foremost, it provides an opportunity to to look at what matters to you. So the first principle is about identifying and anchoring to your values, which is really what matters most. And if we can start to do that, it does require that that self reflection, but that can create just a different path for us because we may have been values in the past are success, monetary compensation, title, ego, all of those different things. And and for some people that 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 does matter. So I'm not judging that in any way, but. If it's something like, you know, I want to give back, I want to be more of a developer of people, I want to, whatever whatever it is out in the workplace, it's, um, you know, humility is, is a great value that I see in a lot of really successful leaders as well, is you start to re-architect what that life looks like. And so you say, okay, well, here's my values. We do some things that are similar to what Simon Sinek does, It start with why. I, I find that to be a little bit harder for people who don't necessarily want that Quote unquote, purpose-driven life. That's why I talk about greatness as being the intersection of success and purpose. Because I think that, that resonates, I guess, with people maybe more like me, but who who wants something a little bit more tangible. And so they think about, okay, what does greatness look like for them? And then help them on that path. What does it mean to be authentic? How do you connect and engage with people that are on your team? And I think probably most important to your question, which is if you're looking to make that big change, is so many things come up that can derail us, those self-limiting beliefs. Gosh, you know, I don't have the the right experience. I didn't go to a good enough school. I'm not ready enough. You know, I'm not good enough, which is just a totally overly judging and subjective statement. And so those are things that that I talk about in the book, and I I do a lot of work with people, is is teasing those apart, much like my own experience, my own thought about my inability to write, is what's the objective data? You know, what does that actually say? In some cases, there's going to be some validity to it too. Is maybe you are trying to get into a new industry, you don't have the experience. Well, what can you do to close that gap? Can you volunteer? Can you take a training course, like something that gives you a nugget of experience, which will give you that confidence? So that's really important too. Is not just saying, okay, well, I'm going to talk my way out of these self limiting beliefs. But I do believe there's, there's a lot of great framework or great ways to do that. But also assess what really is real. But also, if you're making a shift is having that mindset of lifelong learning and growth, because that's gonna be really the fuel that's gonna help you make that shift. So learning is about, we're constantly growing and getting better. Growth, a lot of that comes down to being uncomfortable and putting yourself into an uncomfortable situation, because I promise you, that's where the growth happens. The times I've grown and gotten better are, are really probably only the times that I said yes for something I didn't think I was ready for yet. It seemed a little bit scary, that's like the, the basis or the source of where that growth happens. So the book will take you on that journey to say, hey, here are the different things. Here are my values. Here's what matters most. Here's what greatness looks like for me. Here's the, the learning and growth that I need to, to really dial up to get to this new destination. And then what are those things that are going to come in my way? What are those pitfalls? How do I actually jump over those pitfalls in terms of those self-limiting beliefs, those doubts, those fears?
0: when you've seen a blockbuster movie that one of your buddies hasn't seen yet and like, you know, all about it and you're just desperate to tell the story to your buddy, but you don't really want to ruin it for them. Like in many ways, for those of us who have gone through what you're describing and and made it out the other side somewhat successfully, I mean, we're earning an income, you get a W-2, it looks like regular life. Maybe it's not, you know, the uh, 2000 standard for success, but if anything in life has taught us anything about today is the intervals between change are almost instantaneous now. So our ability to develop our willingness to adapt is a skill that it's almost like, um, the, the your ability to continue to live. Like, you know, we truly have the opportunity to become a dinosaur and become extinct. If we're not willing to accept the fact that this pace of change is beyond our ability to control it anymore. I don't want to do TikTok, but I have no choice because that's what's going on. And I can choose to say, that's it. No, I've reached my limit. No more platforms. Or I can say, I recognize and appreciate that I have to evolve with things as they change and be willing to try to do that, even though a 52-year-old white guy on TikTok is probably not the right demographic. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and I think you. Even for people that are sitting in a, a company, is it's hard to to develop people at the pace of change because we all need to. I believe fundamentally, there's an opportunity for us, opportunity responsibility for all of us to be leaders. And organizations need to push the role of a leader out into the organization because they actually the frontline people are actually oftentimes the people that are seeing and hearing disruption first about the new competitor, about a problem with their product or service. And many times, a comment will just get passed by. And if there's no sense of ownership, that sense of leadership of, of that company, they're not going to take that and, and pass it along to someone who can actually change that, whether it's in product development or within the marketing team or you know, within the leadership team as well. So I think it's really important that all organizations push leadership out into all tentacles, but also... That we own our careers and that we know that we have to constantly grow and get better because companies, they're thinking about where they need to develop you, but they're not always looking around the curve even further to say, okay, what are we going to actually need out of this person? And what do I need out of my role and, and how I'm going to progress in this job, in my career, in my life? So I think that that concept of lifelong learning, lifelong growth is really, really important.
0: And as the leader setting the bar for the team, showing behaviors that suggest that part of our investment in our employees is skill development and personal growth and giving them avenues and opportunities and maybe paying for things for the, like just whatever you feel like you can do to help in the growth of the people that comprise your organization. Just showing the commitment oftentimes is the difference in your culture because those are the things that the people are really looking to the leaders for and then giving them the opportunity at the, at the employee level to feel empowered to do something similar. I mean, you want to talk about rocket fuel. That's where the source of that real growth really comes from.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it really, it is about the manager. It is about the leader, whether they they show that they care about you. I mean, surely, if they're willing to invest in you, whether that's monetarily or giving you the time and space to grow, or even just having a weekly one-on-one with your team members, that's not just about the project and the status, but it's about them and their goals and their development that's how you create employee engagement and loyalty and commitment and productivity, all the things and all those business metrics that matter is showing, it starts with showing that you care and providing that time and space for growth and development.
0: Yeah. Good stuff. All right. So here's our opportunity to make our argument for purpose. But before we get into that, because people are about to press pause or shut it off when they hear stuff like that. So here, for those of you who Stick with me on this, all right? Because here's, here's really what, where I want to come out on this. And Darren and I talked about this a little bit before we came on the program. Purpose as a differentiator. So when someone is making a choice between you and your competitors, one of the criteria that they may use is, can they see what happens with the dollar they give you when it gets to your door in a way that they feel good about? And if you can't communicate that, what I say time and time again, Darren, I'm hoping you're going to agree with me, is that won't lose you every deal. But what it will do is when that is a decision-making criteria and you have nothing for it, you lose 100 out of 100 times, no? Absolutely. Okay, so if we are actually talking about competitive differentiation purpose is one strategy that you can use to bring alignment to your brand values and your messaging. So if there's something that your organization cares about deeply that is a rallying cry for your organization, it behooves you to be able to communicate that and communicate it well because it's what buyers are really interested in. But what happens, Darren, when that's not apparent at the leadership level within an organization?
1: Well, I mean, I think it it starts with having that sense of alignment and you can't have that hypocrisy, right? Where we we say we stand for one thing. We say we we stand for transparency with our customers in terms of what are the ingredients in our products like with the Honest Company and Jessica Alba's done an amazing job there is if... That's, those same values need to be actually represented internally as well, is having that transparency from a leadership perspective, how we're transparently communicating information down and out into our organization. So I think you have to have the, a strong set of values at the leadership team that they model, and they also align with what you're saying externally in the marketplace.
0: Knowing that this alignment is, is really important, why is purpose such a strong strategy in your mind?
1: Well, I think purpose it creates enduring motivation and drive. First and foremost, whether you're talking about the drive or the willingness for a customer to buy from a brand, which I you know I fully believe what you're saying, and, and consumers even co-creating what that brand means, and you see how people are actually using products you know, on social media, which is really interesting, and how the more successful and progressive marketers, especially, are actually tapping into that. But um, that's a different thread. But I think about more about purpose from that individual perspective or leadership perspective and it, it it does create that drive and that motivation and that alignment and by the way i do believe that if if a company has a specific purpose or values that people can live those out in different ways and that you know not everyone's going to to believe in whatever the product is it's it's out there it's it's changing people's lives from a health perspective you may have someone who really their value is around solving problems and, and or whether it's internally working and developing people, they may find a way to actually connect to that higher level purpose through something that matters to them most. So I think giving people, much like with strengths, we allow people actually to focus on the strengths that matter. I think there's different ways to give uh, a more nuanced approach to actually how to live out those values at the individual level within an organization. I don't think everyone has to, to live those out in the same way. Much like sales organizations, not everyone's going to sell the same way. Everyone's going to do it in their own way that taps into their strengths and into their values, frankly, as well.
0: All the more reason why to throw the stupid performance reviews, the annual reviews out the damn window, because that's not how it's supposed to work. In reality, I think what you're saying is just so prescient and true. It's like, look, if I can give you a clear sense of what we're about, And empower you to speak in your own voice within the context of what we're about. It's like a symphony as opposed to a set of robots who all speak and, you know, uh, communicate the company line because that's what they've been taught. And you and I, as the people on the other side of that transaction, the difference in how that makes you feel is so enormously uh, evident. So... Putting the team in the position we described versus not putting them in the position that we described oftentimes will be the real difference between long-term sustained success organizationally and not. So, Darren, so concludes the audio portion of this uh, part of the discussion. But before we get into the bonus content, if anybody is interested in learning more about the Savage Leader, you've got... It's it's not just a book. It's a whole universe. So talk to the people about what that's like and how you would want them maybe to get started if they were interested in doing so.
1: Yeah, the easiest way to get started is to to read the book. But also, if you go to savageleader.com there's links to buy the book. There's also a lot of blog content, which is really an extension of the thinking in the book and an opportunity to go deeper and to share some more anecdotes. Also, I do host my own podcast called The Savage Leader. So that's um, a bunch of interviews and of a wide variety of people from Navy SEALs to professional athletes to Silicon Valley entrepreneurs, et cetera. And so there's this whole universe and ecosystem of content. Also, there's a bunch of free tools that you can get on the site that actually help you apply those principles uh, into your own life and your own career. So com is a great place to start. But you can also pick up the book on Amazon.
0: And the go-giver in Darren is offering the first chapter of the book as a free download it's enough to get you excited to want to buy it so don't be scared because if you get that first chapter for free and you decide to start reading it you might just be tempted to keep doing it so that's awesome i i look forward to uh being able to subscribe to the podcast myself you've got some really great guests on there kudos to you for your ability to be able to get some really big names onto the program. So I will be definitely involving myself in your content, but so there you have it. Darren was a great guest. We got into some pretty deep topics there, but really when you think about it and for those of you who've been listening to the program for any length of time, I'm sure that you could sense just how much I identified with Darren's perspective and his approach on the ways that he would like to see leadership occur, the whole idea of being in alignment with your values and being able to allow that to guide your decision-making and shape your relationships with the people who are working with and for you. It's really, really vitally important to understand. And you know, it really is this podcaster's belief that it is the single best way for you to give yourself a competitive advantage in your own marketplace. I hope you take that to heart. I hope there's a way for you to perhaps put some of that into play for yourself. I don't know, maybe buying Darren's book might even be the first step in the process of getting that done. If you like this, please share it around with other folks. And as we continue to grow the audience for the program, we're able to seek out and find guests like Darren to bring us thought leadership on topics like this. Until next time, this is Roger signing off.